Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Stephen Rilston. I am your host today. We're recording on a Friday afternoon just before Eric Ten Hag's press conference and I'm joined by my colleague Samuel Luckhurst who will be at Carroting later on. But before you make the trip down to Carroting, Samuel, I've got the pleasure of your time for around half an hour. How are you? Indeed. I'm, I'm a lot better now that I've got over the Old Trafford pie that I made the mistake of having on uh, on Wednesday night. I can't warn uh, any prospective fans or, or those in hospitality enough that you, you've got to avoid those pies. They're, they're pretty lethal. I was in uh, I was not in a good way yesterday, but I'm in a much better way today, fortunately. Well, we were playing a bit of five-a-side football last night and someone had to dash a little bit early, but I'm not complaining at that because... It means you can't go is for my my miss from six yards, which was pretty embarrassing. But you can't really take the, the high ground on that because you did leave early, Samuel. But So we'll forget about that miss from me. We'll gloss over the, that. The, the, only, the only good thing I did was make that save where I just, I, I thought that you'd be looking to place it and I just, just about managed to get down in time for it. But it probably exacerbated how I was feeling. So yeah, not not in a good way yesterday, but a much better way today, fortunately. Like, David De Gea in his prime in 2017-18. Anyways, we'll get into the analysis of this week. There was obviously a 1-0 win against Brentford. Um, They needed to respond a 2-0 defeat up at St James's Park against Newcastle. That was a really disappointing performance. And I think the manner of the display as well, they were out for um, in the duels, in the challenges. And and Tenor basically said they lacked determination, didn't need the the players, which is, you, you just can't have that. Um, but to come out uh, at Brentford, a 1-0 win, it wasn't exactly vintage, was it, Samuel? But it was a response nonetheless and, a, and three points on the board. It was never going to be vintage, I didn't think, against a team that are very well set up, have a very good identity, have played pretty well against United in the last 18 months, certainly on, on two occasions down in West London. And they don't lose many games at all. So uh, to, to have come away from it with, with a 1-0 win, uh, given how poorly they played against Newcastle, I thought was pretty good going for United. And the first half performance overall, given the, the context of it, I think there was a lot for Ten Hag to get behind. And he sounded particularly pleased in his press conference afterwards. It, it would have been pretty churlish of any supporters to have been complaining that they only won 1-0 or they only had a handful of attempts on target. It didn't feel like that they tested David Rea uh, on many occasions other than uh, Rashford rifling that that goal in which gave Rea no chance. But the way they controlled the game, the way they managed the game in the first half, they got the midfield balance right with McTominay 
playing a more defensive-minded role. I, I've always said that as long as he's at United, that's that's the best use of him because you're always going to have attacking midfielders at United. So the the inclination to play McTominay in that role is not as great as it is perhaps for Scotland, even though he's played uh, in, a, in a back three for Scotland and uh, has probably occupied a, a deeper role for, for Steve Clark as well. But playing Sabitza higher up, it it was vindicated um, primarily with the goal. It was a very uh, it was a really well constructed goal. It was a very deliberate, uh, lofted pass by Anthony Force a bit. So good knockdown, really good finish as well. And apart from that one on one, and uh, other than that, really the, the the closest Brentford came to scoring was David de Gea dithering with the ball at his feet when Tony charged him down and the ball bounced wide. So it, it wasn't it wasn't much of a spectacle. It was it was quite a humdrum atmosphere, but you never really sense United were in danger of throwing that game away. I think in the ninety third minute there was an occasion where it might be Marshall McTominay and. Possibly Fred or another player, they all gave the ball away. And normally, if you're one nil up in a game and you're being that careless with possession with a minute left on the clock, there's going to be palpable anxiety. But you you couldn't really twig it at all from the supporters because Brentford were really really quite tame. I mean, they, they are they are a different beast at home. I think even though they of course went to City and won there this season, but it's it's mainly their home form and the home performances which have been their memorable moments in the Premier League. And as I said, United managed that game very well the other night in the first half. And in the end, that was enough to see them through. It's interesting the point you make about Brentford being stronger at home. I mean, after the 4-0 win earlier in the season and United's defeat in Newcastle, I thought they'd go for it. I thought they'd try to start the game with intensity um, on the front foot and kind of take the game to United if Newcastle have laid that blueprint from the weekend. But as you just said, they were a bit tame, weren't they? And their approach surprised us, to be fair. I thought they'd give it more of a go at the start. Obviously, they improved uh, throughout the game. And then as the second half came on, they did try a bit more and, and try to find an equaliser. Um, who really stood out for you then, Samuel? I think Martinez on the night was fantastic. His defending was quality as usual. A few excellent challenges. There was one on uh, Tony that really stood out to me. That's been clipped up a few times. And Anthony as well for me, Samuel. I thought he was really good against Newcastle, even though getting... Uh, took off and substituted I thought he was quite unfortunate and I thought he was he had a good game and I thought he stood up and he was counted which uh, do you know what I was impressed by that he, he worked really hard he, he was the more, most creative of the forwards again I would say uh, I agree with you at Newcastle he, the, the bar was set very low from the forwards but he was pretty unfortunate to come off and he did seem rather peaked about it when, when when he was substituted by Ten Hag. They had a quick conflip and Anthony was concealing his mouth, which is always a giveaway that he's saying something that he doesn't want anybody to be able to uh, to, to, to read into whatsoever. But it was a very good uh, pass for Sabitzer. Um, his collaboration with, with Dallow was a lot better. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a curious dynamic that Dallow and Anthony have had and that where they're two Portuguese speakers, you'd immediately think that, or they should get on like a house on fire, or there should be you know, a pretty good collaboration there. But they actually, you know, they've, they've had a few confrontations over the course of the season. And it happened long before uh, the, the Newcastle game at the weekend, where there was this clip of them arguing with each other. But that, they were a lot better the other night. And Dallow's, by and large, a very supportive teammate and, and still is with, with Anthony. It's not like they hold anything against each other. If, if anything, the fact that they can be 
heated in those those flashpoints uh, should be viewed as a positive because it shows that they both care and they, they, they both want to to get to the level that they're capable of they're capable of, of 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 getting to and if they're not at that level they're going to be frustrated about it but i agree with with you what you said on martinez he was the by far and away the best player again uh, we we've said that a number of times this season uh, and and for the umpteenth time the other night he, he he approached the tunnel as as probably united's best player it was interesting what ten hag said afterwards about Fernandez initiating uh, the, the possession plays where he was playing a little bit deeper and, and Sabitzer was going forward a bit more. And Fernandez was quietly effective. It wasn't a spectacular performance from him, but I think that's what his season has been about uh, by and large in that he's he's not got the numbers that he has had of, of previous campaigns, but I do think he's become a better player this season. And there are times where it's, it's a case of less is more. You don't need to be particularly wasteful with the ball. I think the only thing he did in the second half, where which it was remotely memorable, was when United had possession, were keeping it, were playing it patiently. And then he just had a pot shot from 30 or 30 yards or something like that. And it went you know, went well into the Stretford end. And so there are times where he will be impatient, but that's what you get with him. I think it's, it's pretty impressive the way he has finessed his game at times this season. It was certainly... Um, certainly obvious on the preseason tour that he was being a bit more prudent with the ball. Uh, he wasn't always looking for the killer pass or looking for the pot shot to get an assist or get a goal. And he's, although the, the numbers will show that he's had better seasons at United in, in past campaigns, this could eventually be remembered as his best season because he's had to take on the leadership responsibilities. It's a new manager. Uh, there's been more pressure on United, etc. They have won a trophy as well, so he's he's certainly someone who Ten Hag was always going to look forward to managing because of his mentality. And although he's not uh, he's not a talent who's completely aligned with what Ten Hag wants from a playmaker or someone who's certainly playing that number ten role, he has adapted. And Ten Hag's you know, th- there's been a little bit of give and go between them, and so far it's been a pretty successful manager captain relationship there was obviously just one change from the newcastle defeat i think it's fair to say we probably expected maybe at least one more um after that result but where was yeah. moved to the bench um sancho came in obviously started on the left before we get into to Weghorst, samuel because we'll look at him in the next part um i wanted to just end uh, with a bit of chat about Sancho because for me a bit of an indifferent performance again and I feel like that's just becoming a reoccurring theme when I'm watching Sancho I'm not sure if you agree with that assessment but he didn't really do too much um, to really catch the eye he wasn't exactly offensive in the game um, and I think that's just it, it's happened it's keep on happening when he plays he's not really taking his chances in my opinion I think he's got 10 goals now and four assists during his time at the club Obviously, I had some time off, but at what stage do we start to say to him, right, you really need to deliver now? Because we're going into the summer, um, Tenog's second season at the club. And I feel if he doesn't get it right next season, then it, I, I don't want to say his days are numbered because I, I almost feel a bit harsh saying that because he, is he 22, 23 now, sorry. So he's still got time on his side, but he, he needs to start performing a bit better, doesn't he, I think? The other night he didn't do much right. He didn't do much wrong. That's what I a, mean. Yeah, it was a bit indifferent, wasn't it? Performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when you're a player of that profile, you have got to do more, particularly if you've not done a great deal already this season. And there is the mitigation of him having uh, what was it three three months out, pretty much or nearly three months, I think. 
but that that was you know that that was of his own choosing. That was that was uh, a decision taken with Ten Hag. Uh, we've we've gone through why they they took those uh, th- those measures, chapter and verse. Uh, he was deemed not fit on a physical uh, side of things. There was there was a mental side of things that he needed to to clear up as well. And uh, you know you you have to you have to be quite. Sometimes you have to deal uh, with these players with with kid gloves, and I'm sure there comes a point though. And Ten Hag did say it that you you do start to get impatient because you've got a potential game changer there. He's a player that the club have invested a hell of a lot of money in, but unfortunately for Sancho, from what I've been told, that there, there is certainly impatience uh, behind the scenes at United, and that he is being overtaken by other forwards there. And looking ahead to the summer, where United are not making; they're not concealing anything about it whatsoever. They know that there have to be a lot of outgoings in the summer because of these financial sustainability rules that they have to meet, and that's irrespective of the ownership situation as well. And if a club were to come in with a, a, you know, an appealing offer for, for Sancho, whatever that may be, I was going, what that, would be an appealing it's, offer it's not, for Sancho now? What, what kind of price do you think we're talking well, of his performances you're, you're, for United? You, you would be you'd be taking you'd be making a loss, wouldn't you? It would be unless uh, you've you've got someone like I don't know Todd Burley making an offer where there's every <laughs> chance they'll pay over the odds. Uh, you, you are you, you you're going to be making a loss, and that's that's the case with a few United players who are likely to go in the summer. Uh, again, as I've said before, the the best source of income for them, I think, would be through the academy players. One because United haven't paid a transfer fee for them too. They're in their 20s. If you think about McTominay or Dean Henderson, they're Premier League proven. They've come through one of the most esteemed, famed academies in, in world football. And so they've got a lot going for them there to be able to command good prices for them. With Sancho, everybody knows that he came to United as a very expensive addition. He's not cut it. There are issues there that were, were, were public knowledge, certainly with him not playing for as long as he did uh, earlier this season. And it's, it's also a bit of a hard sell. It's, certain clubs may look at that and think, well, is is he has he got the coping mechanisms to be able to operate for us at a high level? But it's, you know, it is a pity for United and, and for him because when you've, when you've seen him at, in full flight, he's a cracking player. But when I watch him, I, I can never quite understand why he feels the need to bring the tempo down it's sometimes it's like watching Dimitar Berbatov but with Berbatov there was there was some method to it that that was that was the way he played as well nobody expected him to start moving through the gears with Jane Sancho when he gets the ball you expect him to operate at 100 miles per hour we we saw him do it for Borussia Dortmund and he's never really quite hit that level with United he had a, a pretty decent two-month spell last season after the January internationals and I think what was what reflected well on him there was that he had had this, uh, you know, un- unhappy moment in his uh, in his private life. One one of his relatives passed away. He missed a couple of games uh, in in late January. He came back into the team in early February, and he hit the ground running. and He was brilliant, and he, he had the backing of a manager who had wanted to sign him for for RB Leipzig as well in Ralph Rangnick, and I just thought that he would have been. Very well suited how Eric Ten Hag wants to play, and he he was excellent in pre-season as well. But we've said so many times how misleading pre-season can be, and that we'll watch a player in pre-season; they'll be brilliant, and then when the season starts, they're not 
truly at it. And in fairness to Sancho in the start of the season, he was doing okay. He, he certainly had some key contributions, scoring some very important goals. But even then, the performance level was still quite a way off from what you'd hope it would be with him. And when Garnacho comes back as well, because he is going to come back before the end of the season, as, as United have said, there's going to be greater competition there. And at some point or another, uh, someone's going to have to lose out and someone's not going to be in the matchday squad. I think there's a bit of an identity crisis on the pitch going on as well for Sancho because I'm not sure which position is actually his best at the moment. And it, it must be hard to find form and find rhythm when, I mean, he doesn't deserve to start, but you, you can't find a, a consistent position. He's played on the left, he's played on the right, he's even been played as a number 10 this season. Um, he's probably best actually on his left during his time at Dortmund, even though, ironically, he was signed to play on the right. And if you look on the left, as you've just said, you've got Ganacho and Rashford, you've got Fernandez in attacking midfield, and you've got Anthony on the right. So where does he fit in that? It's, it's starting to become a bit of a puzzle. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll have some answers it soon. I'm sure <laughs> it is, isn't it? And we'll, we'll talk about it a bit more, no doubt. We'll end there for part one, and we'll be back uh, for part two with some chat about Route Weghorst. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now, Samuel, Weghorst was obviously dropped to the bench. He'd actually started 18 consecutive games since signing on loan, which is... It's I think it's 19. Is it 19 in the end? Obviously, yeah, yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. So, I mean, if his agent, when, he, when his agent informed of the interest in January, he probably laughed. He probably didn't believe him. Um, but then he goes and starts 19 games for Manchester United. Um, finally dropped to the bench. I think it was about time. The Newcastle performance was probably the, the straw that broke the, the camel's back. Ten Hag probably couldn't justify his inclusion. Um, it, it kind of raised my eyebrows last week in his press conference when he left the door open to a permanent deal. Did that surprise you guys at Carrington when he kind of uh, answered that question? And do you think it is really possible that we could see Weghorst continue? Because he obviously lacks quality in front of goal. Um, he does have merit off the ball. We've discussed that. But at the end of the day, he's just not good enough to be a striker for, for Manchester United, is he? No, not at all. And the, the effort has been there. And I think that's why some fans 
cut him a little bit of slack or or reluctant to really get on his back because he is running around and and trying to do things but as as you said the the Newcastle game I think really that that Betis game the the return leg uh, out in Seville he was really really bad in that then he was even worse against Fulham then he was even worse against Newcastle I suppose it really said a lot about Verkhorst and that he was the only player dropped the other night and it wasn't Anthony Marshall coming in to replace him either. Um, that that was confirmation that Ten Hag knew we've got to get him out of the team now because he's just not he's not up to it and we're not even going to replace him with the number nine everybody expected him to be replaced with. It was it was Rashford who, who went up front, which is an imperfect situation because Rashford is, is at his best off the left, but credit to him he has been scoring goals when he's played up front as well this season and the Brentford game was was another Ten Hag is very defensive of Vegkors he I don't think he said a bad word about him in any of the press conferences I mean he he has cropped up in the last two uh, last week as you said he said that he wouldn't be uh, against possibly uh, signing him permanently when I asked him about that last month or it might have been February I can't quite remember but he said it was too early to say whether he would want him on a permanent basis. When I asked him about, uh, I mean, Gary Neville's analysis the other night, I mean, Gary Neville said that he shouldn't be at United, and I also reminded Ten Hag of that quote he, he gave to Verbal International in January when he said Manchester United had been signing average players for years, and that's not good enough. And n- nobody can say Vaghorst is be above average; he is average at best. But Ten Hag. Rather than dwelling on that, he decided to focus on uh, Gary Neville's uh, rather provocative uh, comparison between Veghorst and Ronaldo. He didn't mention Ronaldo, but he didn't need to. And it was the obviously Neville put that um, chart up about United's record with Veghorst and record without Ronaldo. And then there was that pointless debate, all, all that, you know borderline goading Jamie Carragher was getting at where he was trying to say, are you saying you'd pick Ronaldo over Vegkos? I mean, Ronaldo didn't want to be at United this season. Vegkos does want to be at United. I mean, that's that's a start. And and Neville even said, Vegkos is not fit to lace Ronaldo's laces, which is completely true. But it's a completely pointless debate. Like, you know, we, we watched Ronaldo early in the season. He didn't want to be at United. We saw the interview. Uh, he was what he said was an absolute disgrace. He's talking about the club betraying him when the betrayal was on on his part. So, I mean, it, it sometimes you watch these pundits and they are saying things just to be clipped up, just to go viral, just to dominate uh, the the news websites the the, the next morning. And it, it is really becoming a bit tedious now. But going back to Veghorst as as an asset, if you can call him that for United, we've said before his two goals have been on the rebound. Um, his even his link-up play, which I thought was pretty decent in his first weeks, that seems to have gone vanished. Uh, he said himself, he was. I'm sure I can be be beeped out here, but he said <laughs> after the Netherlands played against Gibraltar, he said he was. <laughs> which, you know, yeah, fair play to I him. Like he's, his he's, he's that exactly. honest in his summary. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you've got some. Very, um, very thin-skinned footballers out there who would never ever dream of thinking they played that badly. Never mind, uh, never mind saying it. But he is—he's not oblivious to how bad he, he has been for club and country of late. But it's it's still a quandary for United in that they've got two number nines there, and in some ways they've they've not got two number nines, and that Veghorst doesn't score, Marshall doesn't start, 
Um, maybe he will against Everton. He, he certainly needs to at some point, but he's he's been training for four weeks with the, the squad now and Ten Hag told me the other night that he's still not game fit enough. So it's uh, until they sign that new long-term striker or new starting striker in the summer, I, I suspect it will be a recurring issue between now and the end of the season. I mean, that's why Webb Coast has had to start so many games because Martial has been sidelined and he spent more time yeah. on the treatment table and the pitch. That's that's a nice little segue. We're going to talk about Martial because, as you've just said, you did ask him in his press conference, uh, Tenag, about Martial and he said that he's not fit enough to start, which for me was, was quite baffling because, as we've, we've said, he's trained for four weeks now. Um, he did some light training before that, before those four weeks, so he's actually been in training obviously longer. He should be up to speed by now. Um, and that really raises some red flags to me if there hasn't been a thousand already about his body and his load and his condition and, and what he what he can take. Um, he's contracted, obviously, until next year. And I think the problem is, Samuel, no one's going to want to buy him, are they? No one's going to invest into a player like Martial when you just know he's not going to be able to start that many games for you in a season. Um, so coming into the summer, obviously, a, a striker is the priority, but... Could we possibly see the arrival of multiple strikers, of maybe two strikers? Because Weghorst, perhaps, obviously, you can return to Burnley. Um, Martial is injured all the time. And it, you're kind of back to square one for that problem. If you get Harry Kane, for example, or Victor Osherman, they should start the, the bulk of the games. But you're going to need someone else, don't you? someone reliable who can support either one of those strikers. Yeah, and that's where you have to possibly look at being a bit creative and certainly, I think, looking at United's midfield where Casemiro has been absent. I think if Guardiola was, say, in charge of that midfield, I reckon he'd have done something pretty drastic, uh, like taking a defender in midfield or <laughs> who knows what. But we, we, we've seen John Stones. I mean, Stones last week against Liverpool. He was excellent, was wasn't he? Terrific yeah, as a midfielder, yeah. Uh, he's he's a, he's always been a very good footballer. He's not always been a particularly good defender, but certainly I think from watching him at Everton, there was always scope there that he could actually be uh, one of those players to move into midfield. And we've seen a lot of right backs move into midfield in recent years. Uh, the main ones being Lahm and, and Kimmich at Bayern Munich. It's it's probably still something that would be advisable at Liverpool, given that Trent Alexander Arnold. I mean, you're probably too young to remember this the show in the 90s on the BBC on the BBC can't cook won't cook with Alexander Arnold it is can't defend won't defend <laughs> and it's probably in Liverpool's interest to finally play him there um but as as I think Anthony has played up front for United uh, or at least moved there during the game this season obviously Rashford played there the other night but he has got a fair amount of experience of playing as a centre forward for United I think maybe the best case scenario for United would be that, as you say, you know that they they do want to sell Marshall in the summer, and I think they could still raise pretty you know, decent funds for that. They'll make a loss, but again, it's besides the point. I, th- I think they could still uh, get get a decent fee for him, but it's a very very small pool that you're looking at of, of clubs who would have the money and have the inclination to say, yes, we will take a player who's scored not even 20 goals in the last three seasons, including this one, who's not completed 90 minutes in the league game since January 2021, who's had five separate injuries so far this season and is still not deemed fit enough to start four weeks into to squad training. There would be some managers out there would be like, why are you even suggesting him as a 
as a possibility for us to sign in the summer if 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 this is his um if this is his conditioning or if he's that physically brittle and ten hag also harked back to his injuries in previous seasons i mean looking at this season i think marshall's had hip injury back injury achilles injury hamstring injury there was another injury i think he's had five separate injuries so far this season um it's impressive going back to yeah, going back to the tail end of 2020-21, uh, he missed pretty much the whole of the running with a knee injury that prevented him from playing at the Euros. And just looking at his injury stats for last season, he missed a few games for Sevilla with a muscular injury. Uh, there was another knee problem for United, uh, apparently in, in December. And another one is just uh, in October, it's just uh, says fitness, which is quite an interesting and original uh, uh, injury specified. It's, it's, it comes under the column as injury as well. It just says uh, fitness. But looking at some of the others, we've got influenza, uh, thigh muscle strain, ruptured knee ligament, groin strain, uh, another influenza as well. So that's, um, I, th- I think that might be transfer marked being a bit too technical about the reason for his absence <laughs> on, on those occasions. Uh, so I think in some ways it would suit for United that they can't suit Martial. They do get a striker in and Martial very much knows his place that you are a backup striker. And if you don't like it, you can, you and your agent can try and force a move. And that, that might suit United a little bit more where they actually, um, you know, they, they rile Martial rather than making him feel comfortable in this environment. But as we've seen before, when a striker does come in, Martial and his agent have got form for kicking off for not liking uh, the, the the way things are panning out and whether it was getting the new contract in January 2019 or getting the loan move to Sevilla, they have got what they wanted. So maybe United need to be a bit tactical in the way they go about trying to get Anthony Marshall out the door, but it's far from a guarantee that he will go in the summer because of all the all the red flags that you could be waving about his his fitness and and also his lack of goal scoring. I mean, the, the talent is there. Gary Neville said it last week. Everybody knows Martial, but because everybody knows Martial for the way he is, it's probably going to deny him having a, a, a great career at United. I won't hold my breath with, with Martial's fitness. It was surprising actually, obviously, last summer or last year when Newcastle had their takeover um, and they were obviously linked with Martial and it kind of goes against was, what their transfer he, yeah. policy is so isn't it they've kind they're saying in the Chris Wood came and, in instead well, probably a better goal scorer <laughs> he's definitely not <laughs> that's, that's far too harsh and untrue um, we'll talk about one of my, uh, my favourite topics Samuel we'll talk about the Gea's distribution quickly uh, before we look ahead to Everton um, it was kind yeah, of you were very provocative again. with your piece yesterday. I, I was. I, in hindsight, I thought maybe it was a bit too much actually. But I, I wanted it was a wider point, obviously, about his distribution, and it has been. It was highlighted again, as you mentioned earlier, with the Ivan Tony charging down the ball, and, and another day that goes into the back of the net. And um, his kicking was poor again. Um, but the, the, we've talked about it at length. The question I wanted to ask you is: You've just discussed Dean Henderson there, and you said potentially sell him this summer. And I found it interesting that the discussion under that article, article yesterday was fans debating basically whether Henson could come in. And I know I've kind of brought up the point a few times, and you and Ty have kind of laughed it off because of his comments. But is there a possibility that he that he could be you know stay at the club, come back from Forest despite his comments? I think the trouble is, is that United want to get De Gea tied down a new contract. At that point, it's, it's game over. Well. Yeah, 
and there's that as well. Uh, they've they've not played it out well the whole goalkeeping situation because it seemed like there was a clear opportunity for them to have a succession plan in that De Gea sees out his contract and they know full well there's not going to be a lot of resale value because there aren't going to be that many takers prepared to pay the best part of 400 grand for a goalkeeper who is now is he 32 I think De Gea I think he might be just turned yeah even though he's that's still quite young for a goalkeeper you have not got a lot of clubs out there at the moment who are desperate for a goalkeeper of, of that profile, even though he's still exceptional at, at stopping the ball. But of course, the, the the turning point really was Henderson getting COVID in the, the summer of 2021 during pre-season, which laid him low. He'd been told he was going to be number one. De Gea started the season because Henderson was too unwell. De Gea did pretty well, particularly away at Wolves, where he made a great save from uh, Roman Saiz in that 1-0 win. And then when Henson was fit and he came back in, because it was Ole Gunselsko as the manager who didn't like making tough decisions, he found out that, no, I'm, he, you're still number two because David started the season well and we can't drop him. A stronger manager, if he told Henderson, you're going to be my number one, he'd have just put him back in the team. You've seen it before with managers. They they don't beat about the bush. They, they there's, there's, It's the classic, the cliche, no room for sentiment in football. But Henderson, obviously, as everyone saw with that interview he gave in the summer, um, I think he was when when he was asked which team would he like to play against the most this season, he said Man United. But I can't, I can't do that. Um, and so there's he's lost a bit of goodwill with some United fans. But some United fans need to make their mind up because they they really did abhor. Um, the, the the whole when it was the competition between De Gea and Henderson a couple of years ago, it was it was needlessly tribal. Yeah, and I, I found it yeah I found it really peculiar that some Manchester United supporters from a certain demographic were actively trying to undermine an academy goalkeeper and someone who could be a future England number one as well, but that's that's the way of the world at the moment. There's this obsession with knocking down English players or British players. We've seen it with Harry Maguire. Luke Shaw's copped it. Rashford has copped it. As as football journalists, we, we don't discriminate. If a player is rubbish, we don't think of his nationality at all. We just say he's been rubbish. If he's been brilliant, we say he's been brilliant, irrespective of his nationality. Nationality doesn't come in it. But there is a warped uh, contingent of supporters who... I mean, the irony is they will say we have an agenda when it's they they're the ones who have the agenda because they we're in this era now where fans don't support clubs they support players more than clubs or they support the more exotic element of football of the transfers of having you know sexy sounding players uh, playing for their clubs which I can never quite understand so ultimately with a goalkeeping situation United are trying to get De Gea to sign a new contract why would Dean Henderson want to stick around for that? And he, they can get resale value on him. He's He's been out injured for a while at the moment, so his, his value will have dwindled because of that. I would still say that he is, at the very minimum, a £30 million goalkeeper. He's, he's what, 25, 26, um, Premier League proven. He has got in experience with, with the England national team as well. He's come through the United Academy. And I've, I've said for a while, I think he'd have been it'd be really good for for Tottenham if if Tottenham can somehow uh, you know prize him from United so 
but ultimately, is, is De Gea the right man going forward for United? I, I know, I know you hate no. talking about contracts, Samuel. I know you absolutely despise it, but would it be a complete oh, not all shock? Of them. Not all of them. Would, <laughs> would it be a complete shock to see these <laughs> negotiations with De Gea fall through? Um, they've been quite. They've gone on for a no. little while now. Do you know? And, and it's, it's yeah. still a possibility, really, isn't it? I mean, Tenag, he's had enough evidence. Um, you wouldn't think a few weeks would suddenly change his mind one way or the other. Um, but I guess it has to be right for both parties, doesn't it? And if United are laying down terms, um, I still think it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility myself. It, when you just see the way you play sometimes and you think long-term, how, how far is this going to reset the rebuild or how far is it going to delay it or stall it um, going into next season? Because that is the way Tenag wants his team to play, doesn't he? It's, it's, that's no secret. He wants to play from the back. Yeah, yeah. and... Ajax did actually want Dean Henson on loan last season as well, while Ten Hag was was the manager at Ajax at the time. The, the, the strange thing with De Gea is that because of his contract situation, United do not want to extend it by a year because automatically it means he'll be on more money next season. And one of the purposes of this new contract that they're trying to negotiate with him is to have him on a lower salary. Uh, so it's it, it's a it's a peculiar position and it's almost an admission that of, of imperfection as well. And that if you're trying to get a player on a new contract and also agreeing to a salary reduction, having whilst trying to avoid paying him more money, that would suggest that he's maybe not the, the, the right player to tie down on a, on a new deal. And given De Gea's age, you'd imagine that deal would be a three year minimum. And, the the more you think about it, I, I just think that maybe the best case scenario for United is that they just have to sign a new goalkeeper, which would be a shame because they've had a world-class goalkeeper for well over a decade. They've nurtured a, a very good goalkeeper at academy level who may be the answer, may or I should say might not be the answer, might be the answer. I think he's, his opportunity has come and, and gone Dean Henderson's because of the way... Uh, events have transpired but they do not want to be in a position in the summer where they have to sign a goalkeeper because they want to sign a striker Ten Hag wants a midfielder if Maguire or Lindelof go they will need a new centre-back if if De Gea was to go and depending on Dean Henderson's situation you're going to need a new goalkeeper of some sort so you're talking about an entirely new spine of the team that you're getting in one one summer having invested a hell of a lot of money last summer so ideally for united it, it would suit them not to do that this summer at all um but but it's needs must you know that you look at the squad situation uh can you really park the goalkeeping situation for another year i mean with with, with dean henderson as i said the, the intervention of COVID that that killed that seemed to kill his chance of of being United's permanent number one, and yeah, strange things can happen in football. Maybe another strange event will come along and uh, change change things, and, and and Henson might get back into the team. But I just can't see it for the main reason that United Ten Hag also said last week he wants to keep De Gea, so De Gea is probably going to get a new contract. Henderson, there's the resale value there. Outgoings are essentially in the summer, so that's that's probably the way it's going to be. But it's it's an imperfect situation. Definitely is. I mean, he has made slight improvements with his feet. To be fair, I think his distribution has been marginally better this season, but it's still a weakness, and it's become a, a bit of a press trigger for teams. You saw that 
uh, with Newcastle at the weekend and Jacob Murphy's comments after the game discussing how yeah. he saw De Gea with the ball being ponderous and Newcastle knew to push up and impress and that's how they got the goal, didn't they? The opening one. Um, we'll leave yeah. it there for part two. We'll be back in a moment for part three where we'll look ahead to the Everton game on Saturday afternoon. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So it's the Toffees that are visiting on the subject of a goalkeeper who can't kick for Toffee. No, it's harsh. Um, the Toffees visiting <laughs> Old Trafford on Saturday afternoon. Um, Sean Dyche's stage a, a mini revival, maybe, fair to say. Um, he's got them organised again. They're still not much of an attacking threat, but they definitely are more organised since his appointment. A big, uh, big draw for them against Tottenham and what a finish from... United Academy graduate Michael Keane in midweek. So they'll be pretty confident or have some optimism of getting a result at Old Trafford. But it's not really a stadium where Everton perform well, is it, Samuel? Um, what are your expectations for Saturday? It, it could be slightly similar to Brentford, minus uh, the, the goal threat from Everton. They've they've just not got a goal scorer, which if you're in a relegation dogfight, you always worry for... Uh, that team's prospects, but credit to them, they've they've not lost any of their last four. Uh, they had the character to come from behind twice against Chelsea. They had the character to come from behind against Tottenham the other night. I mean, Tottenham were extremely lucky to get anything from that game. Everton had everything. Tottenham didn't have uh, pretty much. I mean, t- Tottenham was so uninspiring. And Deitch has gone in there. They are a much more organised and uh, tougher team to play against than when Frank Lampard was manager and Lampard is now Chelsea manager. So, so go, <laughs> and work, go and work that one out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but where, where Everton are a more resolute team and they gave a good account of themselves in fairness in the cup game in, in January when Lampard was still manager and it was a, a really watchable Friday night game. They, they got it to 1-1. I think they had a goal disallowed at 2-1 just for a, a, a just offside. I think it was Calvert-Lewin who might have been slightly ahead. But it would be a more watchable contest, I think, tomorrow if, if Calvert-Lewin was playing because when he's when he's at his optimum, he's a very good striker. But unfortunately for Everton, he's, he's not been at that level for probably the best part of two years. And that's that, that's a worry for them. Ducouré is, I've, I've always quite liked as that, level of Premier League midfielder who can um you know impose himself who's got good technical ability who's who's physical uh but obviously he's suspended for for the game this weekend but it seems like individually I mean when I looked at Everton's squad at the start of the season I really did think they 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 might go down but the perception has, has changed quite a bit in that Michael Keane was out in the cold under Lampard he's come in under Deitch having played for Deitch at Burnley and um, although he, he had a very eventful game the other night where he rather clumsily conceded the penalty with with the foul on Romero, uh, he, he has got more belief about him. Tarkovsky, when the ball goes into the opponent's area and he's up for a corner or a free kick, he seems to win every header. Uh, it's like the ball's a magnet to his head. So they've got some attributes for United to keep tabs on and United have had two tough games against them this season. I think, uh, but for 
Rafael Varane header in added time at, at Goodison. Jordan Pickford, of all people, might have been nodding in an equaliser when he came up for a late corner. <laughs> so I know, I know. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily think this will be a game for United where it will be straightforward. A little bit like in in midweek, if if they, however they do it, if they get through this week with two wins, that's back on track after the the setback of of, of last week and and playing as poorly as they did against Newcastle. I, I certainly expect United to win. They've they've got the firepower. Uh, it seems like Ericsson might at least be on the bench. So if if they are in need of someone to pick the lock, there, there are a few players to have better than him to bring on in a game. Uh, they'll have other game-changing options as well. So although Everton, I think, could make a decent contest of it, I still think that United should be winning this one. I, taught them, I mean, Tottenham are a strange, strange team for me. They get the goal, um, and deservedly so. Um, obviously, Kane converts the penalty, and then they just start sitting off, don't they? And they were, they were passive. It was, and it was bizarre. Pressure on. It was I really didn't bizarre. I understand that. Yeah, the Premier League team, supposedly a top side, and, and that was baffling, that it really was. Um, regarding the midfield for, for the game, Samuel, I've, I've been kind of banging the drum for Fred to play in the last few weeks, and Ten Hag has ignored my music playing, and he's played to bits of McTominay and Fernandez, and it, that selection was perhaps a bit baffling the last few weeks, and we questioned it um, in midweek as well, before Brentford, but... As you said earlier, McTominay had a had a good game, a bit more defensively, and Sabitzer had a really good uh, night as well. To be fair to him, so would you retain those three for for Everton, or do you think it's time now? Obviously, two two games in a week for Fred to come in. Maybe his energy will be needed in this one. It's it's a good question. Uh, I mean, it it, it I, almost I, seems I harsh it, to, it... to drop those players, doesn't it, after those performances because they kind of deserve to start again. But before that game, I, I was questioning it. Yeah, uh, it's it is a tricky one in that they, they they did pretty well as a combination the other night, McTominay and Sabitzer. But you still think of the Fulham game, West Ham, Newcastle. Uh, you know, it's, it's like one one swallow does not a summer make. But they're, they're well, bound so. to have more of the ball. United against Everton, um, they, had, they had a fair amount of possession against Brentford the other night. I think they had more than seventy percent. Uh, at half time, which I didn't expect them to have that that much of the ball. Uh, I thought Brentford might have more about them and, and try and impose themselves more, but they they really didn't, which was bizarre given that Tony and Mbwemo are, are good goal threats, and they've 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 got goals against United in the past as well. They've they've really given United a chasing, but with Everton the way they play, and it'll probably be Damari Gray through the middle in a strikeless formation. Uh, Everton have, have got a few good draws or a couple of good draws recently against Chelsea and, and Tottenham and this would be the hat-trick if they were to be able to avoid defeat and, and get a point at Old Trafford so there's maybe an argument to bring Fred in because you want a bit more attacking impetus in midfield but that, that still raises the question as to who's who's going to be holding the fort there because Everton have got some mercurial players on on the counter-attack. I mean, Iwobi's been pretty good for them as a midfielder. I think Damari Gray, is, as, as a talent, is is excellent. It, there's always just been the lack of consistency to his game. Dwight McNeil's a pretty good winger and, and handy in those situations as well. Anana has, has done, given... The, Given the way Everton's season has panned out, I think he's been reasonably decent for them. He's he's, he's a Belgian men's national, and and it seems like he's a starter for the national team as well. So, 
that's always going to be on on Ten Hag's mind of getting that balance right. But he has played Fred and Sabitzer together before. And although they've not convinced, United have got decent results by and large. So it would be peculiar if they were to go because the next time Fred could start would be next Thursday and he probably won't start given the availability of Casemiro and, and Eriksen. So that would be four weeks without a start for him, which would seem a waste, but he, he didn't, the key game that he should have been starting was against Newcastle and there's, there's very little point lingering or allowing that to linger now. So I'd I'd probably still be tempted to bring Fred in, uh, but I really wouldn't be surprised if it's McTominay and Sabitzer, given that they did they, they did come good eventually against Brentford in midweek. If it wasn't for Joe Linton at Newcastle, I'd probably say Awobi's the most improved player in the league. He's been fantastic and he was really good against Tottenham. He was all over the pitch again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wednesday night, sorry, Monday night. I think um, he was good. I think he was quite good last season for them in the tail end as well. When it might have been Lampard who actually moved him to central midfield. Yeah, and, it was. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's come off. It's come off for Everton to to a, to a certain extent, anyway. Just looking at the table now, Samuel. Before we end, obviously United are a fourth, but on goal difference, Newcastle are third. Had to get a, get that in on both joint on on fifty three points. But I thought it was worth talking about the goal difference situation because Newcastle have are on plus 26 currently and Man United are on plus five now that obviously highlights the the lack of attacking firepower doesn't it really it's uh, with the exception of Rashford there has been a lack of goals uh, elsewhere in the team is there a scenario that goal difference could be quite important do you think because it is all of a sudden looking quite tight around those Champions League places isn't it it is but I, I would whether they finish third or fourth I'd probably expect United to be clear of the next team below them as as far as a points deficit goes the the goal difference is embarrassing there's there are no two ways about that for it to be that low uh, it's it's a reflection on the lack of when, when uh, you think Newcastle scored five goals against West Ham and that's the, the goal difference currently obviously plus five for United and yeah. Newcastle scored five that just shows you how poor it is really isn't it you'd love to see United put a team to the sword uh, in the Premier League, and not really done that this season. They've just not done it this season, have yeah. they? No, they've. Uh, I'm not. Have they scored four goals in a Premier League game? Um, they they Off may the have. Head, I'm, I'm struggling to think, but they 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 put four against Betis, four against Villa. But you, you look at just looking at their the the four column now. You've got Arsenal seventy, City seventy one. United on 42, Newcastle on 46, uh, 5th and 6th, Tottenham and Brighton, they're both in the 50s, well well ahead of United. Uh, Aston Villa only three goals shy of United. Liverpool have scored more than them, Brentford have scored more than them. So however way you look at it, it's it's not good. And logically, if, if a team has got that goal difference, it'd be, right, you've got to sign a striker in the summer and that's what they fully intend to do. And it was interesting what Ten Hag said the other night. He said that you need two players who are going to score more than 15 goals a season. United don't have that. They, they, they I mean, the irony is, I, I, say, I say that, they they actually might do come the end of the season because I think Fernandes is on 10. So he might be able to creep up to that 15 level. But I think if you were to tweak Ten Hag's statement, you'd say you want two players who are going to get a minimum of 20 goals a season. And, you're not looking for. I mean, Rashford is, is should hit thirty goals this season. You, if you can get two players in who are going to get above the twenty goal mark, I think that's that's certainly the that that that's the way forward. Going back to the treble season, Cole got twenty four, York got twenty nine. Um, I think Solskjaer got eighteen that season, so he was only two shy of the twenty goal mark. 
And United at the moment, the way this season's panned out, they don't they don't have those those players uh, with with that ruthlessness. Martial has only ever broken the twenty goal barrier once uh, during his United career. You look at the other players in that team, and the the only other player other than Rashford who would ever get close to it is Fernandez, who who did so uh, a couple of seasons ago uh, in in that kind of like strange behind closed doors campaign. So sometimes you can you can be a little bit dismissive of it. It's it's an anomaly, but by and large, it's it's the, the responsibility has fallen on Rashford, and and also it's the amount of goals they've conceded. I mean, United. Have I was just about to say that we're talking about thirty-seven goals this season. Yeah, it was, it's sixteen goals against Arsenal, City, and Liverpool away, which is just not yeah, good enough. They away form against. I mean, they've, they've Newcastle have obviously had the the best drill defence all season, and I'd, I'd certainly have Pope and and Trippier in the team of the season, but it's it's. Rather peculiar in that you look at United's starting back five. De Gea's actually had a decent season. Uh, Dallo, up until the World Cup, was having a very good season. Martinez has been one of the signs of the season. Varane's been good this season. Shaw's been good this season. Yet you look at the amount of goals they've conceded and it, it something just doesn't compute there. I, I suppose what I would say is that it doesn't take it out of context as such, but they've had a few absolute hammerings, uh, City away, Liverpool away, Brentford away, where they've conceded, I mean, goodness me, how many goals they concede in those games? 17, 17 yeah. goals. So and Obviously, if you add in the Arsenal, you know, I mean, the Arsenal was only 3-2, to be fair, but obviously... If, if yeah, so that, those, that, that's, that's 20 goals conceded in four defeats away from home. So that's a huge chunk of the goals they've conceded. It's more than... More than uh, more than fifty percent actually looking at the against the against column there, so I suppose they can say, well, you know, we can dismiss these games. They were just you know bad days at the office, and we can cut them out next season. But it, it doesn't feel like they're going to make many adjustments to the defence in the summer, other than getting a. You know, I think, as I said, if if Maguire or Lindelof go, they have to get a centre back in. But the priority is is a striker, and obviously, if they if they've got two players. Uh, banging in goals every week then that's going to do the goal difference wonders but they, it's certainly something that has to be addressed but they do intend to address it that's the the clear area for improvement for me next season isn't it it's the biggest criticism uh, yeah this season where they've, they've went away to, to decent sides and they've, they've kind of collapsed or, or capitulated sometimes in spectacular fashion um we'll just end it there samuel any exciting plans this bank holiday weekend after your trip to old trafford tomorrow or you what you got planned for sunday no afternoon? i'm I'm going to just have to hop put it over to to Carrington now for the yeah. the press conference and then the the game tomorrow and uh, hopefully the weather is as as bright as it is today so I can uh, get out and about and and avoid eating any uh, meat and potato pies at Old Trafford as well. That's, this well, is my be, government health warning to the. I'll be scuffing my face with Easter eggs. I'll be watching the Masters. Feet up. Reporting on the game tomorrow, and I'll enjoy Masters that, Sunday. That 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 yeah. sounds like the uh, the best plan to have. Yeah, well, hopefully Absolutely. Roy McIlroy has a good round today because he usually came out first round and was incredibly underwhelming. I kind of fell for the trap yeah, uh, yeah. back in McIlroy this year, unfortunately. Um, thank you very much for your time, Samuel. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate it. And thanks to listeners as usual. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your bank holiday if you have the benefit of it. Take care.